Welcome to our Firesides podcast. Today, Preston and I have the pleasure of our three boys joining us in on this conversation. Colden, who's 17, Garrett, 15, and Levi, 13. And we're just discussing what it's like to be a teenager in 2021 and what it feels like every day functioning in society, social media, and school. So Preston, will you um, kind of bring us up to speed on your most recent experience of going hunting with the boys in Mexico and kind of seeing them function in their role as teenager boys becoming young men and kind of some of the duties that they got to experience. Yeah, I had the pleasure of taking all three of these uh, young men to Mexico to do some coos whitetail hunting and we guided 10 different hunters from all over the world and it was an amazing experience. I got to watch the boys partake in you know, just day-to-day activities, getting up early every morning, 4.30, 5 o'clock and working all day long, um, really uh, honing their their skills in the outdoors as well as dealing with people in their professions because everyone that showed up to these, these hunts, they're all professionals of some kind of walk in life. And that's kind of the funnest part, really. It's not the funnest part, but it is a great part is to be able to communicate with different um, people that are from different walks of life and different backgrounds. All of them had different backgrounds. Some of them are from um, here. Some, one happened to be from China originally and um, spoke very good English but and a very smart man, but he was originally from China and he's all the way over here, um, you know, doing what I love to do. I get to show him how to hunt deer and... Um, that's kind of my my forte but um, you know taking these boys down there was awesome because they got to do some manly stuff uh, down there and not just um, interact but also they were entertaining for the art hunters it was they had a really good time just um, communicating with them and chatting it up and that you know it was interesting the the second ranch we went to there was six hunters from they're all from Oregon they've all been buddies for a long time and uh, they're all really into long-range shooting and, and just hunting in general, outdoor stuff in general. But it was interesting how the boys just dove right in and started mucking it up with those guys. They were just talking trash instantly, you know, just how guys do. It was so funny. I was just kind of sat back and watched the interactions. And they hadn't even really introduced themselves yet, and they were already cracking jokes with those guys. And some of them loved it. They just thought it was the best. They were like, oh, these guys are going to work out great because they're just like us. They just want to have a good time. They know how to communicate. You know, Steven's one of the guys. He's so funny. Um, towards the end, he's like, hey, Preston. And he'd been hunting with us for seven or eight days at this point. And he's like, Preston, when are your kids going to break out of that shell? And, but he was totally kidding because they would never had a shell. You know, he's like, your kids are awesome. So, so Colden, what is kind of, can you give us a story of just what it feels like at 17, kind of showing up and expecting to be able to do a man's job really in a, in just kind of embracing that role of hunting and those skills but also being able to communicate like what dad's saying of you know communicating with adults and understanding that language one of the things that I will let you all know is our boys have been homeschooled and one of the things that comes up most frequently is uh, what do you do to socialize your kids and how are they going to learn how to talk um, to adults? And so this is actually a real life kind of practical application of how we integrate and how we teach them to communicate. So what does it look like, Colden, for you? How does it feel like to function in this role? Um, 
I just say it's a really great opportunity that a lot of people don't get to be a part of, and especially at my age, and um, just understanding the responsibility that um, all the grown men that are down there expect of me, and trying to fulfill that and um, meet their standards is something that I've always strived for my entire life, and I'm very thankful and blessed to be able to be a part of a family that allows me to do that and gives me opportunities to um, go show myself and um, try to grow my leadership skills with people um, throughout the whole world and just grow my understanding of how to just deal with people and make them happy in the situation and um, just make it a good environment for everybody that was there and just be able to meet the standards and partake in a great adventure and just do manly things at such a young age it's awesome opportunity and it's helped me grow up a lot and just understand how real life works and talking to all those guys at night and just talking about life and just things and goals ahead that I have and all that I mean it's just a great opportunity and I'm blessed to be able to do that and be able to take in wisdom from those guys as well and also try to give some (laughs) from me even though I'm young but still in certain situations I mean we're both taking stuff from each other so it's pretty awesome to be able to do that that's a good point that's really true I love your first trip to Mexico was three years ago or two years ago? Two years. Two years ago. Uh, it was kind of when you were first, like, kind of reaching into discovering, you know, growing into your manhood and, and discovering really what you're made of. And, you know, Dad came back to talking about how wonderful it was to see you really feel confident and be able to be tested in some of those things and be over over you know, to be able to overcome. And one of the pictures I love is just you throwing over a whole deer on your shoulders. And this year you got to throw over a whole mountain lion over your shoulders. And like, I know that's not necessarily like the sign, but it's just such a transition. I think of being able to do those things and overcome and hike out with an animal and conquering an animal and hunting and, and hiking. And, you know, like not only can you just kill it, but you could take it out. You know, where everything, you know, how to clean an animal, you know, like just the whole process that for me, just as a mom watching is really admirable. Uh, Garrett, you got to kill that mountain lion. Tell us a little bit about like what that was like for you. Uh, just the story. Like how, what was the optics? What was the scene? Like, how did this all come? Because we were, you guys were there hunting. Well, Deer. we we got up to a point. We started glassing. And it was kind of like rainy and not the best weather. And uh, I got in my binoculars and started glassing on this hillside. And I saw this lion right before it bedded down. And I was like, Dad, I got a lion. And the hunters that well, we were guiding. They, they didn't like to walk a lot, so they were like down at the ranger, and we got on the radio and were like, come up here with their guns, and they got up here, and we set up on the line, and it's, the line got up, and it started raining like pretty hard, and it was a thousand yards away, like exactly, and the two hunters shot both at the same time and missed high, and they couldn't get back on the line. So I was like telling one of the hunters, like, hey, I could get on it. Let me get in the gun. So I got in the gun, 
and the hunter moved the um, minutes of angle down like two minutes and I got in the gun and checked the bubble for uh, to see like if it's the level and shot and Levi Levi saw it I I couldn't see because I shot my dad couldn't really see because he was in 15s but my brother younger brother Levi was in his BTX's and he saw blind like acts like he got shot and my dad wasn't sure if I hit it or not and Levi said you definitely hit it but it kind of ran away like I'm like it, I didn't hit it so me and Levi walked over there and it was super tall grass so we couldn't see any blood or anything and last time we saw it, it went into this thick group of trees so we just walk in there and I just look around and I just see it piled up lying it was pretty cool so what did it feel like for you in the midst of here you know all these very successful I mean you're you're dealing with very successful men CEOs of companies and they're coming here and it's their hunt and you know you're on a ranch so they want to kill the mountain lion to help with just the whole habit the whole habitat of the animals and the ecosystem and all that so you know they they see something they have an opportunity to shoot they miss and they're like yeah give it a shot see if you can do it and then like one down you snipe and they're like wow like what did that feel like for you at 15 this was your first trip in Mexico and here you are with all these you know highfalutin hunters that travel they like literally they all travel the world and have been on hundreds of hunts and then they they're like who's this Garrett Burser who just sits behind the you know knows how to set it up and call it and down it's like you know you're the you're the mercenary sniper crew so what did that feel like for you as you're kind of like in that transition stage at 15 and was it like a boost did it feel good like what what were what were your thoughts yeah it felt pretty good I didn't man, I, I didn't expect to hit it, but <laughs> I definitely I don't know why not. You're a good shot. You've always impressed me with your shooting ability and all three of you have. Um, but you got in that gun fast. You got everything leveled. You were ready to roll. You called the shot. It went off and that's all it took. It was pretty amazing. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. You instantly got into their shooters club. Do you remember the name of the club they gave? They, they <laughs> made you Sharpie. Team Sharpie. They gave you an honorary membership to Team Sharpie for that one shot. They were like, "This dude's in. He's he's got what it takes." Yeah. yeah. I just you know when Dad called me and is like told me what had happened that day. He's like, "It's been a successful day." Like, what was that day? Can you? Yeah, I'll start the day. We started out with a snake den. Remember that? Yep. Garrett, you, you walked right by a snake den and made all the rattlesnakes rattle. We took a little video and then we got out of there. Uh, ended up, we killed 110 inch deer that morning, wasn't it? It, it would have been 114. 114, a big, a really big buck. Uh, took care of that buck, then went back and spotted, helped try to spot another deer. And that's when you saw the mountain lion. Mm -hmm. Shot the mountain lion. So we had a 114 inch deer and a mountain lion in the back of the ranger. By the end of the day, it was a pretty cool day. And it was also in the United States, it was inauguration day. It was. And I was thinking, wow, like here are my boys who are, they're all warrior mentalities. They all have the ability to really show up and, you know, do whatever it takes and to deliver on what's being asked. And I just thought it was really interesting kind of, Garrett, I remember you growing up and I think you were like eight, nine, maybe. 
and you would put weights in your backpack and go and run over the rocks. Rocks and bare, in his shoes. Yeah. And, Remember? Yeah. And you're like, I'm, I'm just training. I, I'm training that you want to be a Navy SEAL. I'm just training so that, you know, I never stop. That pain never stops me. I, so I got to train my mind. Be mentally tough. Yeah. Mentally tough. And I, I just, you know, it, it was just really interesting watching and hearing the stories as brief as they were, all the things that were developing. And Levi, uh, that kind of brings us to you. You're 13, although you're 13 in number. You are 33 in, in stature and wisdom and experience. I think you've always been an old soul. We knew that as you were a little guy, you were old soul. And the, the three amigos, you hold up the trail of it all. But this was your first trip to Mexico. No, your second trip, but your first coos there. You got to go turkey hunting in Mexico on the ranch. So give us your insight into, give us a story or an experience of what it felt like to be 13. And here's all of these like hunters and successful people. And you know, you're amongst a very successful crew of people and you're expected to deliver just the same. What does it feel like to function? felt pretty good to be able to go to a serious place to go hunting with a bunch of mature adults, you know, being able to be there as just a young, young person, young 13 year old. I mean, it was pretty, pretty stressful at moments trying to live up to the standards that they wanted mm-hmm. as a 13 year old there, you know, of course they were feeling like, why, why is a 13 here, 13 year old here? But I mean, I showed up, you know. I did good. I did as best as I could. So give us an example of what you had to do. What was your role and like how did you function? What were you asked to do? Like on a day to day. Were you on the binoculars? Were you spotting? Were you helping with logistics? Were you just kind of observing? What was kind of your role? Uh, I was kind of just in the binos most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) The binos. (laughs) Levi was a full-time spotter. He did a great job. Um, He really helped spot deer and then watch the deer as the hunters approached um, and did a great job he never got out of the binoculars we, we call them binos because it's funny it's just kind of a funny thing but, um, yeah it was and, and you know he says he's just a 13 year old kid there but the reality of it is those guys after the first day they were like yeah he belongs here this kid knows what he's doing That's good, Levi. he finds deer he knows how to judge deer he knows how to figure out how to get to the deer how to take care of them once they're on the ground all of that which is it was just it was really fun for me as their dad to watch all that unfold and to know that hey we got an animal down but my boys are over there they can take care of it I don't need to be there they know what to do Mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome yeah I think about like this was kind of this was the first trip that y'all got to be together. Like you went with Colda and then we brought Levi along and then now this was the first trip with Garrett and you kind of got to see how the dynamics of all three of them working together, you working, the hunters and Jay Scott and kind of the, the overarching just picture of it all and the integration of them uh, and, and really how all of those pieces function. It's a pretty dynamic situation to really bring all of that together and create success. Yeah, it is. Jay has a great business going down there. He's been doing this. I think this was his 26th year in Mexico and he has it pretty well dialed. Um, he's got a great group of guys that help guide and, um, there's a lot of folks that, um, they really enjoy the hunts every year when they go down. So 
I'm just super thankful that he lets us be a part of it. It's, it's an awesome experience. He lets us all come down there. And he said, the only thing better than one Mercer is three extra sets of eyes. So four is better. Oh, as a matter of fact, we got the nickname Mercenaries. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, they said, yeah, you guys are the Mercenaries. You guys are heck on coos deer. So that's fun. Yeah. So I think too, as far as just kind of like looking at how we, the practicality of like how we raise them, like when did they start hunting? When did, when did they start getting behind Beano's? When did they start uh, training and hiking and getting, you know, physically adapted to this? Because you don't just like, oh, I think we should take up hunting this year. Like, well, you've always been a hunter, but like... So let me tell you a story. One evening, we, we shot a, a deer. It was a long ways away, and it was right at dark. And we weren't sure if the deer was dead or not, because it disappeared down this little canyon. And Levi and I were together, and Colden and Garrett were a different spot. And they actually killed a deer that night, too, with one of the guys. Uh, but it was getting dark and we needed to get up there in a hurry so Levi and I hustled down we made it to the bottom and we literally had to climb up this mountain and the guys timed us and I don't know why they timed us they just thought it would be fun to time us and we ended up getting up to the deer within 13 minutes and they said it would have taken them a day day, I don't know maybe they would have never got there who knows but (laughs) that's they were like how how is Levi able to do that and Mm -hmm. I said he's never known any different they've all the same way that's just what we do and we've never looked at a piece of ground and gone, oh my gosh, we can't tackle this. It's too big. It's too steep. It's like, no, we're just going to go take one step at a time. And before you know it, you chew that country up and you're on the other side of it. What I think is crazy is you go, like, you're not in Arizona, like you're stomping grounds. Like you guys go to Mexico mm-hmm. and like you slay it in Mexico and you figure out how to get around in Mexico on four, not only like literally foreign land and you figure out how to find the animals. Like you show up and you, and you know, all the skills and all the tactics are transferable to wherever you are. Like it's just in your mind, it's in your body and your bones to know like, okay, we're in this area. Okay. I know how to execute and find a deer here. And then I know how to talk in a hunter and I know how to set up the whole scene and boom, shoot. And you're successful. Now we'll get it out of here. And like a lot of, how many deer did you kill total? In Mexico, 10. Yeah. yeah. In two weeks. Yeah. So 14 on the year, including the boys and Corabelle's deer, and then 10 in two weeks down there. Yeah. So that's a lot of, yeah. of doing, doing things. So um, the next thing I wanted to kind of bring to the table is functioning in our society of social media. One of the things that we'll talk about here briefly is well maybe we should back up just a minute and briefly mention the reason one of the reasons we homeschool is so that we can do these things these memories this living life to the fullest and go to mexico and experience mexico we're literally doing conducting business on foreign soil i mean it is a unique experience and these there's not many people that get a chance to do that um and we wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for setting ourselves up with homeschooling to be able to do that so yeah. That's, that's part of the equation, right? Well, school for us looks a lot different than, and it always has. Uh, we've gone through years of doing different curriculums, yeah. online school, different ways. And, uh, you know, really, ultimately, one of the things that we've always said is we're not going to let school get in the way of our education. And where we can sometimes fall, and I get frustrated of not, like, fulfilling the the requirements of all the school I look at these experiences of them functioning in life and functioning with people in communication 
and execution of of delivering on a service and all those things and, and fulfilling like a real role job. And literally hours and hours and hours of communicating with these grown men. And having knowledge. Like it's not like they're dumb. And oh, having they, knowledge. They jumped right in talking politics. That was the funniest thing. You know, like that, the boys are so educated and opinionated in, in the political arena that they, they could jump into any conversation and communicate in an effective manner about their position on any politics that was brought up. It was, they, that's why a lot of these guys really loved it. They were like, man, your, guy, your kids are really on top of it. Um, they were talking finance. One of the guys was a financial advisor. That's what he does. He's very successful. And the boys were talking finance the whole time and asking questions. And that's, you don't get those opportunities in a high school classroom. Yeah, Garrett, I've noticed you, you're the one that's talking finance. Is that correct? Well, yeah, there, well, a couple, we more than a couple, like, most of the people there did a lot of stuff that I like to do, like, that I want to do. Like, and, like successful? Yeah, like, they did the stuff that I want to do when I'm older. And What is that? Uh, well, real estate and um, stock trading. Yeah. So one of the one of the guys, Pong, he was from China. He was yeah. a financial advisor. Yeah. And I love just, like... You, you know, you cross all cultural barriers. Like, here's a Chinese guy. He's, like, like literally a genius. Yes. Yeah. Smartest guy I've ever been around. Yeah. And you're able to not be intimidated and talk to him yeah. and, like, get into him. And not only that, like, you're there yesterday. I'm watching you, like, navigate TD Ameritrade and asking him questions. And you guys have continued with this ongoing relationship and talking finances. So... What does that feel like for you to be able to function at that role with, like, discuss finance with somebody and you're 15 and he's like, why am I discussing, like, real-level financial, like, decisions with a 15-year-old? But you're right there with him. Well, it's just nice learning from people that have had experience and that's that's the best way to learn from mm-hmm. elders that are, that are doing it and know what they're doing. And it's just nice that he is willing to help me out and teach me. Yeah. I love when you came home, you're like, Mom, I learned more in those almost three weeks than I did in the year of school. And it, that, I mean, that really is like when people learn medical school, they learn the, the theoretical of like everything and then you have to do your residency because like you realize like how much you learn in a book, how much it looks different in real life and in functioning and understanding that. So... We'll, we'll talk more about as we progress and integrate kind of the boys in our conversations with school and functioning and, and what it kind of looks like because we have lots of conversations that we can bring to the table with school and right. what homeschooling has looked like for us um, throughout the years. But um, one of the things is social media that I know all of the parents are like, how do we address this? huge monster and we don't even have what it takes I know a lot of days I don't feel like I have what it takes to fight the social media and just the time that teenagers spend on the phone uh, going to Mexico you guys didn't have your phones what what do you guys feel like and anybody you can bring it discuss I I specifically remember you Garrett saying it feels so good like I'm so like, you're so lucky you didn't have to deal with this kind of social media crap as much as you like it as much as it's part of your life you realize how much it can be a burden how much it takes from you what did it feel like for you to be in Mexico for that time and be away from social media and not be able to integrate or communicate with on your phone well it was just nice to get away and just be out in the outdoors 
enjoying life and nature and just being out of all the social media nonsense drama that's brought to the table when it comes to social media. Yeah. Colton, what about you with like just social media? What's your perspective on it and the challenges that kids face today and how to like, be able to get away from it? <laughs> uh, I definitely don't have the perfect answer for that one. Um, but I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm even guilty of it too. I'm just as guilty as any other person. So, I mean, just self-discipline and I mean, probably just set a goal for yourself on how much you want to limit to it and limit yourself. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can set yourself up to not be on it and disable your phone from allowing you to be on it if it gets to that point and you feel like you're at the need for that. Um, But I would say, I mean, getting away, I mean, being able to go down to Mexico and get away from it, um, it was definitely a reliever and I loved it. Mm. Um, I mean, just being able to interact, you don't have any other choice but to interact with the people that you're with That's good. and learn from them. Um, but I would say when you're able, I mean, like when we came back, it's like you want to catch up on everything because you're like back in it. Like when you're down there, you don't have a choice. You're not a part of all the people that are in your town. You're not able to talk to those kids or hang out with them. So there's no point in even going on there when you're down there. Um, but I'd say, like, when we're back, like, where we live in Flagstaff, um, I feel like it's a lot harder to not have the urge to get on. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you're you're in, like, you just want to be in the loop because you're there in the loop. You're part of the loop. And I feel like that was one of the things, like, when you're down there, you don't have any other choice. And it's just nice to, like, let that go. Like, yeah, I have no choice but to just let it go. And just be present with everybody that I'm around. And I feel like that's just one of the big things a lot of people struggle with is like, they wanna be present with everybody that's in their town, not being present with them, but present with them on social media Mm. and trying to figure out what they're doing, what so-and-so, what's going on. And I I just feel like when you don't have that opportunity, it's definitely a reliever and you just like, these are the people that I'm with and I'm going to learn from them and talk to them and get what I can get out of the situation at hand. So yeah. that's kind of my partake on it. Yeah. Levi, tell us about your social media experience at 13, because like all of these boys have had it a little bit longer. Like you're kind of getting on the phone now. And I would say in our home, I mean, in terms of like getting started with, um, just when you're the boys have been on your older brothers have had a phone longer than you have no that's not true okay so what's your biggest pull what's your biggest like snapchat tiktok like how do you like what what is it that engages you what pulls you is it because you're bored on other things like in mexico did you still feel like you wanted to be on your phone or did you feel entertained enough in mexico that you didn't have to be on the phone because you're not so much from my observation you're not so much interacting with people as much as you are just watching on tiktok where where do you feel like for 13 year olds kind of as a lot of times 13 is kind of the age that parents allow their kids to have a phone so where would you say is kind of your relationship or your struggle 
or the area that you want um, to maybe work on in social media? Well, when I was in Mexico, I really didn't care to be on my phone. I was out, I wake up early, breakfast, and then go out, do all day out there, and then you come home, eat dinner, and you're tired, you really want to just go to bed. Social media didn't really matter down there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind to, like, even want to go on it. It really didn't cross your mind? No, I, was, I never miss it. I didn't really care. Just like what Colin said, when you come back, you just want to, like, you come back to town. You want to be in the loop. You want to know what's going on. Yeah. Catch up. Yeah. Versus down there, you're, you're so immersed in the hunt that you're talking ta- tactics and strategy. And right before you go to bed. Yeah. And, you don't really have and, time to get on the phone. Yeah, you just wake up in the morning and it's just go time. You know, we already kind of have a game plan for the next day. And you wake up and you execute that game plan. And then you over you overcome and adapt any of the challenges that you find the next day. Because every day is different. You know, you might not find the animal you're looking for. You might have to cover a different country or something might, you know, you never know. I mean, there's always something that comes up every day that you have to adapt and overcome. And, that's, I think that's just what's so cool about being able to take the boys down there for almost three weeks is really just immerse themselves in the work at hand and, and being able to focus 100% on the day, on this is what we're doing, this is the focus, and we're not going to deviate from that plan. This is all there is. Yeah, so like my question would be then, how do we take that experience? Like why can't, why does it have to be so different? It doesn't. Right. Like what ends up happening is we normalize in our this world society is everybody's it. doing it and you go off to work i go off to work the kids are kind of you know self-regulating them you know they're they yeah, have freedom time, right? in when they are going to do their school when they're going to do this or that and it's not like there's a high calling that they have to deliver and have an output there's not like a yeah. huge challenge for them and you can see it like in our society today like the kids aren't being asked to do much. They're not being expect. They don't. There's not very much expectation. Like and, and then parents just don't know what to do anymore. Like so, it's just kind of like, oh well. I know that we've at, some, at times been like, it's it's not even worth the fight. Like we don't even want to go there. So it's right. just. But then other times it's like it is worth the fight. Like we do want our kids to engage. And so, you know, we have had some kind of ground rules. We try and not have the phone at the dinner table in times when we're having our family devotionals and and discussions and time like that. So I think there has to be some sacred time. I know on Sundays too, uh, we have no screen Sundays for like movies and different stuff with the younger kids. Well, they know that it's no screen Sunday for the little kids. Like they know they're like, oh, it's not. Su- it's Sunday, so right. I can't. You know, I'm not it's watching. It's still difficult, is my point. Yeah, it's still, it's still a challenge. Yeah. It's still a reminder. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm not going to. Like, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but um, so as we kind of bring it to a close, boys. Um, well, I might. I think it's crazy how much they're on their phones. I mean, I didn't have a phone when I was their age and I could see myself being on the phone if I had one and had that communication ability, I would probably be the same. I don't know. But you know, when you and I grew up, we still, I mean, I still had, it was like the first time we got a phone that didn't have a cord on it when I was in high school. You know, it was not a normal thing to have a cell phone and to be able to have all these apps that communicate with people through text messaging or whatever else, you know, this instant, um, messaging people and and being able to 
these, I mean, these kids can say whatever they want to say without any consequence. Like, there's no consequence. Yeah, and we've had trouble with... Right? I mean, there is no filter, Mm -hmm. there's no consequence, or at least they feel like there's... When I say they, I'm talking like in general. um, Kids. Kids in general, and even adults in general. I mean, you can can go down rabbit holes with adults, too. They do the same thing. I mean, a lot of times, grown-ups are just kids in big bodies, it seems. So, it seems like they're, you know, putting a, a tool in the hands of a teenager has more technology than the space shuttle that went to the moon is maybe a dangerous thing. I don't know. I mean, it just seems that way to me. Yeah. And then asking them to self-regulate and self, you know, behavior modification and and have that discipline. Like I like Colden saying that, you know, you got to have different ways to discipline yourself and have options for, you know, you, you, there are options that you could set screen time rules and, and things like that. But it's just a matter of, I think when kids have kids have a, a, a higher goal than social media, when that's like, what's the point? Like, there's no, no harm done. Like, I'm just engaging my phone. But in Mexico, it's like, there's a higher goal. There's a higher opportunity. And it's like, okay, I can set my phone down for this. This is worth my, this is worth trading in my screen time for this whole adventure. And so I think it's kind of like the trick is, how do we continue to engage our kids at a level that is challenging to them where they feel like, this is fun, I wanna do this, I wanna escape and I wanna be away from it all and experience life and be present with the people at hand because literally you can be present with the people at hand. Like these conversations that you all had with these men, like you can still have those kind of real life conversations. And that's one of the things that I think that we've really put as a cornerstone of our home is having conversations. And that's, that's why we're here today is having this conversation and, and what it looks like to engage, you know, family talk around the table and understand what the struggles are that you're going through with the kids. The other thing that was interesting now that we didn't really talk about is the, the language barrier and trying to communicate with the locals from, you know, the Sonora area or the Chihuahua area. And once again, I, I realize how inept I am at the Spanish language. I am so rudimentary in the, the language of, of the Spanish speaking. But it, you know, you can still communicate with those people. But it takes that face to face. It take, you know, it's like it's a different way of communicating. You use signals, you use hand signals. You kind of are way more animated, you know. And the kids got to do that too. So I mean, it was really interesting to try to communicate with those cowboys or and live on their like live in their ranch live yeah. in their house like, like we're in their domain this is yeah. where they and live and like they're cooking for you and you're eating their food and like you're... but the cowboys live there all the time like yeah. we're visitors for seven days and they're there all day. some of them their whole lives are spent on that ranch mm-hmm. they don't ever leave yeah what was levi what was your favorite thing about living on the ranch did you like the food did you like because you really like that whole a lot of times you growing up, you're like, I like to live in Alaska and just live off the land, but like going there to Mexico, what was your favorite experience of living on the ranch with these cowboys and kind of being immersed in the culture? Oh no, it's pretty cool to be like the same as the, like living in a little, little hut, concrete floor and a little wood stove and that's how you cook your food and that's how you do all of it. And uh, I don't know, the, the food was... Food was cool, a lot different, just beans every night. Didn't even have cheese, just beans and tortillas <laughs> and eggs every morning. 
and what hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the hot dogs uh, they have hot dogs for breakfast the first morning and uh, I ate it because I didn't want to be disrespectful and, what, uh, what happened and I threw up from it <laughs> Threw up. It was pretty. It was pretty gross. <laughs> you were able. You think you'll be able to eat hot dogs again? Yeah, I'll eat hot dogs again. It's just kind of gross. Even for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> With eggs. Yes. It's not, it's not like it's sausage. It's just a freaking hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> what was one of your favorite experiences going on the ranch? And um, probably the first ranch place we got to stay in because it was pretty nice and able to come back to a warm shower and heated room and <laughs> nice and then the second ranch was probably just like a totally different atmosphere like you go back in history a couple hundred years like <laughs> no electricity I mean the electricity was on a car battery yeah <laughs> which died after two days mm-hmm. yeah and so then I mean you heat your water out of a wood stove and then, I don't know. I mean, the food part was definitely weird. I mean, every single person down there like threw up once. Yeah, there was, they cooked something that was, there was, there was a meal that got a lot of, I guess I have a gut like a bear. I can handle everything, but everybody else had a really hard time. Yeah, so I don't know, it was just cool. And then, I mean, just being there and trying to communicate and just see how they live and like, you go from where we are and how we live down there and just, I mean, these old ladies that are just out, I mean, washing their clothes in a tub and hanging them out on the outside to dry. And it's just like, they grew up like with that their whole life and they don't know any other way. And then, I mean, just living like that for a while and then coming back here, I mean, that was just cool to see too. That's always something that you always reflect on and take from it, so. Mm-hmm. What was it like, Garrett, coming back to the States? Did you want to go back to Mexico, or were you happy to be here, or you ready to go back? What was it like to get back into I mean, the it was, USA? It was nice to come back home and everything, but after like a couple of weeks, I was like, kind of want to go hunt in Mexico again. Cause, I don't know, it was just such a good experience, a lot of fun. And, I don't know. I mean, if I could go back right now, I definitely would. Would you go back just for the hunting or the whole experience or disconnecting from our crazy world or? Yeah, the hunting is a lot of fun. I mean, that's amazing. But just like being with elders that are there, like teach you, like just to hear their part and how they got to where they were. Cause you know, they're all really well off and they could help you out a lot. Yeah. So the knowledge and the experience and the integration. Mm-hmm. Well, Preston and I will continue bringing in the boys, and we appreciate if you have any questions or content that you like to see or questions that you have for our podcast, you could always tech, uh, email us at mercer, M-E-R-C-E-R, at ourfiresidespodcast.com, and we will continue to integrate these conversations with our teens and kind of how we engage in these conversations with them and how is a normal part of our life just to have relationship of conversation with them. And we really value just being able to sit around the table and talk to them and yeah. have fun and laugh, tell let me, stories. Let me tell a funny story to close this out. So one of my favorite memories, and it happened almost every day. If we ever got back to the ranch during daylight hours on the second ranch, the, the 200 year, like going back in time, 200 years, which I love. I that, like, that's my favorite thing to do is go back in time and, have it a little bit more difficult but anyway they had 
pet turkeys, right? And Levi and Garrett love to mess with that gobbler and make him gobble. So they would nonstop be calling, yo, 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 and he would gobble and everything. And they just thought it was hilarious. And one day I came out and it was, I don't remember if it was because it was raining or what, but Levi was hunkered down behind a truck next to this big truck tire on his hands and knees and shoulders, looking under the truck, trying to call this turkey. And the turkey was in full strut right on the other side of the truck. And I was like, I've got to get video of this. So I, I hustle over there, I grab my phone, and I'm trying to get the phone on so I could turn on the video and, and vi cause Levi didn't even know I was watching him. He was facing away from me and this turkey's strutting back and forth and Levi's calling and it's gobbling and he calls back and it gobbles and he calls back and it gobbles. It was just hilarious, but I didn't get any video of it at all. He quit right when I got my phone out to take the video, but that was hilarious. I thought it was just so funny. He loves to call turkeys. Yeah. Levi, Levi knows not only the Spanish language, but the turkey language and he's Sure. He practices, oh, during turkey season. Which is oh, coming up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we'll have some more hunting stories in Mexico. Hunting turkeys coming for you soon. Until next time, keep the fire burning.